Take the lemon down a notch. Instead of overwhelming the other flavors. Yes, chef. So I bought a food truck. She's the woman my parents want me to marry. They've been talking about our amazing wedding since I was six. I'm doomed. But you'll have your certificate. Every restaurant in the world will welcome you with a red carpet. And we won't have to see each other ever again. Old friend Ashley. Ashley, this is Mayor. My fiance. Remember that time you brought me cherries to Bowie in bed? Ashley. Oh, Maya, it was just too funny. He was being so sincere, and then he set the sheets on fire, and the smoke alarm went off. <laughs> that was my grandmother's ring. It was meant for someone special. I always thought he'd give it to you. I did give it to someone special. I don't know. Just think of it as an engagement gift. Ah, uh, I'm not really engaged. And with that magical sound, we are back for the eighth season in a row. It's stocking stuffer time, everybody. For those new to the show, uh, what that means is come the holidays, rather than do, you know, that really intelligent, smart coverage that Christine and I usually do on movies, um, I look at pretty mostly terrible holiday romances and uh, dissect them. I have a list of the tropes that these movies hit, all of the kind of typical bingo card items before everybody made a Hallmark bingo card. I had my own version of a Hallmark bingo card, and I, you know, don't want to be one of those, I saw this way ahead of the time, but I kind of did. And again, there are eight years worth of episodes to prove that. Uh, I don't know what to say about it. I'm not a romance fan. I do not generally gravitate towards these kinds of movies. I don't really, I can't say I like these movies. I'm just fascinated. When a formula is that um, strictly defined over, at this point, not exaggerating, a hundred movies a year done in the same style with these same beats it has to hit and character traits it has to encompass, all of these things. It is fascinating in how boring it is, if that makes sense. It doesn't, but yet I still do it eight years and running. So this season, the way this works, you'll hear this episode and it kind of gives you a template for how the rest of them work. Uh, I take one of these movies. I will be clear about where this movie is so that you can find it and play along with it uh, and go through the list and see how it fits in that. We will have many guest stars over the course of the season, which is going to be exciting. Uh, but this one, I'd like to kind of do the first episode on my own. This way I get my, you know, kind of, what would you call them? Holiday elf, my Christmas shoes under my under my feet no my feet under my comfortably in my christmas shoes one of the first versions of these movies by the way so it, it gives us a chance to kind of just straight out go through what the purpose of this is so today's movie as you heard from the trailer i apologize that's not really a trailer uh my christmas fiance not to be confused with a movie called a fiance for christmas this is something that happens a lot with these kinds of titles. You will often have a Christmas prince and a prince for Christmas, completely unrelated movies that are basically the same movie, but not actually the same movie. They are the same movie, but not meant to be the same movie, if you catch my drift. But my Christmas fiancé is streaming on Hulu right now, so everybody who has Hulu can watch it very easily. Uh, I picked it because it seemed very typical, uh, and it's 2022, so I figured a good way to start just... 
Let's let's see what they're throwing at us from the get. But the problem with doing a very low-budget movie airing on Hulu is that it is harder to find a trailer. So normally for Hallmark, there are these like perfectly packaged 15-second trailers that tell you everything you need to know. For this one, couldn't find one. The best I could find was what you heard at the beginning, which was actually somebody that recorded the news and then interspersed it with some of this movie, and then it went back to the news. So in between, if you go to YouTube and look up the trailer for My Christmas Fiance, you're going to also find um, uh, information about a murder case that's ongoing somewhere. So that's interesting. Probably more interesting than My Christmas Fiance. Uh, This one is written by somebody named Catherine Tomlinson, who has other credits, uh, nothing Christmas-related, oddly enough, directed by Stefano Mille. Mila Mia. I apologize, I'm Italian, but I don't know how to say that. Uh, Stefano Mila has directed quite a few movies. A lot of them involve gladiators. None of them that I can tell involve Christmas. Again, this is interesting. So many of these movies, when you go to look at anybody behind the scenes' uh, IMDb, first of all, they make a lot of movies because they make these all very quickly, and typically um, they'll be like, 12 different variations on the same title. Again, My Christmas Fiancé, A Fiancé for Christmas, Fiancés at Christmas, My Favorite Christmas Fiancé. You get you get the gist. It's all, it's all there. But oddly enough, the people behind this particular movie, not seemingly overly versed with Christmas. This one, shockingly, uh, is set in and filmed in Italy. And, and seriously, like, you can tell they are actually in Italy. Uh, I, y- You will notice a lot of the names in the credits and in vowels are very Italian names. A lot of the crew, they're all Italian. That's cool. That I don't know how this movie came to be. Because the oddest part about this is Denise Richards. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to watch it. Because I'm like, ah, sure, let's see what she's doing these days. And she's done some of these. Um... And right from the bat, I noticed her, you know, her name's listed second in the credits, so I realized, oh, so she's not the star, but she's also not, like, the and credit, which is usually where you'd reserve that, like, big power guest star. And there's, we'll get to, like, who she is in this movie, but there's no real reason for her to be here. So it's, I have theories that this might have been a mob project, but that that's that's for another day. Uh, the way we'll do this, I'm going to give you a very quick plot synopsis, and then we'll dive into the 10 things that make it a Christmas movie, a Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie specifically, and then some of the other bonus things that make it 100% a Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie. So the story of this movie, uh, we have a, our, our heroine is a young chef named Maya. Uh, she is from South Carolina. She won a contest to train under a experienced European chef and to live in Italy for a year doing so. So she has been doing that. The chef is a uh, dastardly, cruel Gordon Ramsay, but Hallmark attractive, I guess is what they're going for, type man. And things are fine. She is just trying to get enough under her belt so that she can go home and open up her own restaurant. Uh, But, of course, there is drama in the midst. And that drama comes with her boss, his name is Penn. Um, so the boss is trying to win what I guess accounts for a Michelin star 
Uh, it's not a Michelin star. It's, I forget what they call it, like a Golden Daisy Award or, or something dumb like that. But so he's trying to win like the big chef award for Christmas because if he wins it for this hotel restaurant he works in, uh, that means the place won't get turned into a day spa because day spas apparently have better profit margins and that's the big threat. The other big threat is that his parents, who own this hotel and restaurant, everybody's rich, it's fine, go with it. Uh, they are visiting and they are very intent that he marry his childhood sweetheart, who is a terrible human being, um, who apparently is also very gassy. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so rather than, he has no way out of this. Like he doesn't think he can just say, I don't want to marry this woman. So instead he decides he's going to make a deal with Maya that she pose as his fiance. Uh, he will in turn provide like the certification she needs to open up a restaurant uh his parents will leave um they will call off the engagement and that's that what do you know spoiler alert um i guess they fall in love this one's a very strange way of doing this because along the way we have um attempted murder which i'm making it sound more exciting than it is but it actually is kind of exciting because i don't think i have ever seen a cozy card in christmas that actually involves the villain telling the heroine to make a pie for the love interest with a key ingredient that he is allergic to so he eats the pie he immediately starts coughing badly and i'm watching this movie thinking oh my god is he gonna die that would be i i i would have to stop everything i don't think i could do stocking stuffers properly if that happened because it would kind of prove the closest we've ever come to something like that uh was with um the probably my favorite movie we've done on this show which was on freeform the truth about christmas no it wasn't the truth about christmas yes it was the truth about christmas where um spoiler alert to that movie the character doesn't end up coupled you think it's a romance but it's not she ends up being like no i'm good alone and that is, you don't understand, like, that is probably what it was like to see the train move in, you know, that first uh, moving image. Like, that, that's how big that is. But um, he doesn't die. He's okay. And Maya wins the star for the restaurant, and then he proclaims his love for her, and she's like, okay, cool, didn't see that coming, but okay. And that's my Christmas fiancé. So... The plot of the movie, pretty simple, pretty basic. Uh, attempted murder, whatever, we, we brush it off. Uh, but what we really are here for is to go into, first we start with the 10 tropes of these movies that you have to have. Uh, and by have to have, I mean, every movie has to have certain things, but this movie has to have them in a certain way. Uh, the first thing we always address is our lead. Our lead is one of two things. Our lead, always a female, uh, is either a woman in need of a lesson, often a corporate working woman who needs to learn to not be a corporate working woman, or uh, she is a like perfect, wonderful, sunny, charming woman who needs to teach somebody else a lesson. And in this case, it's the latter. Maya, uh, who, her name is Maya. Um, her love interest refers to her as Maya, and you heard that in the trailer, and nobody ever corrects him, and that is very weird to me, and very uncomfortable, and I do not like when people mispronounce their other's names, especially when, like, you're supposed to marry her in the narrative of this movie. But anyway, so 
that's our lead. Uh, she is played. This is very hard because actually I can't even tell you. IMDb isn't ready for this movie because it just came out. And again, this production company probably has like 37 other of these movies coming out. So they didn't provide all the information. I actually don't know her name. She's cute. She's lovely. Um, she'll have a career in these. Uh, she is um, She is black. So it's, again, always nice to see because we know slowly but surely Cozy Cardigans have embraced not always being about white people. They still have a long way to go, but it is one pleasant surprise to not be about a boring white person. Instead, it's about a boring black person. That is progress for these kinds of movies. So then number two, uh, we talk about the setting. The setting is usually one of three things, uh, a big bad city, a charming small town, or a magical winter wonderland. In this case, we sort of deviate a little bit from the formula, because the fourth, like, I don't like to put it there, because it usually gets spread out between these three. Sometimes the setting is just Europe. And in this case, the setting is just Europe. And it was actually filmed there. Shocking. Uh, number three is the bland love interest. Bland love interest is always one of two things. He is either a widow dad who is very charming, who everybody in town says, oh, he hasn't been the same since his wife died and nobody is good enough for him and he can also build things and he's just like so perfect that you know he actually probably murdered his wife. Uh, or the variation on that is the poor little rich boy. Often if our lead is uh, in need of a lesson, then the love interest will usually be the widowed dad who can help teach her a lesson. If our lead is ready to teach somebody a lesson because she is perfect out of the box, then our love interest is somebody who needs to learn a lesson, often the poor little rich boy. In this case, our poor little rich boy is Penn Childers, who is British. Uh, he, um, he, he fits some of the other things that sometimes would go to the lead need of a lesson. He is a bully. He's a mean chef. He, you know, just hates everything. But of course, very, very quickly, is like, you realize he's just really pathetic because he's, he grew up very wealthy. His parents are terrible. They didn't love him, but his grandparents did. So it's one of those, like, when they died, everything changed for him. But like, his parents still, you know, paid for his culinary school and he's, a top-rated chef, and he is working in the restaurant that he always dreamed of working in. So, I don't know, he's just kind of an asshole who can't, like, stand up to his parents and say, no, I really don't want to marry this person that you've decided I should marry. Uh, so I don't know. He's there. He's fine. Whatever. Uh, number four is the montage. I say montage. It really should be montages, uh, because rarely do you only have one. And the reason is, you know, any, these movies have to be 90 minutes. They are often airing on Hallmark. They're often designed to air with that regular block of commercials. You will, unless it's like a Netflix one or some of these independent ones, like it's not going to go over that. But often you can tell what happened is they made a movie and realized, oh crap, our movie's only like 47 minutes long. What do we do? Here's the answer. You just have a lot of montages. Uh, montages can be overhead shots of a city to establish that city, and you're just cycling through whatever stock footage you have, always played to a public domain holiday song. That's a good probably 8% of this movie's running time. This one in particular is, like, really guilty of padding. Uh, so you have montages. You have the opening credits are just Turin, Turin, Turin. Here's Turin. There's another shot of Turin. Great. Okay. Uh, then immediately... You have uh, our uh, Maya goes and gets um, pastries for everybody every morning. So it's like, 
a montage of her handing them out to everybody and everybody eating them or almost eating them because it's we'll get to that but you can't really like eat on camera in these movies because it's too expensive to do so there's already two montages immediately the chef comes in he's like hey guys get to work then we have a chef prep montage oddly enough not scored to a holiday song they're trying to do very like food network top chef shots of just slow motion chopping onions as the mist from the onion squirts at the camera they're they're trying a lot that's fine but you realize at this point i've been watching the movie for 20 minutes and 17 of those have been devoted to this kind of montage then you have like about 20 minutes where there there's no montage and i'm thinking oh good we got that all out of our system but then we have like three more short ones of decorating again it feels very much like oh i don't know i gotta fill something here where otherwise every scene is just everybody in the kitchen so quick play deck the halls and put stuff on a tree done great there's that and then this is the the most inexcusable one uh we'll get to the villainous character there's a villainous character who's very important and yeah she tries to kill uh one of the characters in this movie but like she shows up and the whole thing is she's you know part of the hospitality group that is going to take over the hotel and turn it into a spa because again higher profit margin and so she walks into the kitchen and she says like uh i'm just gonna watch everything guys i timed it because i'm watching this and i'm thinking this is this is going on long this is this is unreasonably long it is two hours and 50 seconds not quite three minutes but almost three minutes in a 90 minute movie is just devoted to like really awkward supposed to be kind of slapsticky or funny i guess but it's just like people cooking and getting freaked out because this woman is watching them with her ipad and intimidatingly standing over them as they do stuff and it goes on for two minutes and 50 seconds that's a lot of time devoted to nothing happening so there's that those are your montages i probably missed like seven of them because this movie is about 80 percent montage number five uh dead parents or a dead wife it's rarely is it a dead every now and then you might get a dead husband but for the most part these movies are about dead parents and a dead wife and uh don't worry we get them here um and we get all we don't get a dead wife actually but we get um so Maya, we, we know from the start that her, you know, she's very close with her dad. Her dad owns a chain of barbecue restaurants in South Carolina. And quickly you assume like, oh, obviously the mom's dead because, you know, it's a, it's a Hallmark-esque uh, Cozy Cardigan movie. And sure enough, some point in the movie, um, she gets to say that, yes, your mom died of breast cancer. But the other part to that is sometimes, you know, you get the bonus. And in this case, like, sort of like half points are grand- dead grandparents. And Penn, you know, his parents are terrible, but clearly granddaddy and grandmommy took care of him and, and raised him and he and loved him. And so he has seemed apparently, and a character says it in this movie, like, oh, his life was destroyed after they died. So there's that. Uh, next is number six, the sassy sidekick typically a friend a sister or a co-worker in the fiance for christmas no my christmas fiance see see what i did it's so easy to do that how do they do this i don't know uh in my christmas fiance we have sassy sidekicks we have three of them the three sassy sidekicks are the other kitchen workers uh i thought they were all chefs but i think one of them is actually the dishwasher and i forget all of their names um there's one woman two men they are there to um nod to uh be supportive 
to occasionally be strict or to uh, aid in the physical comedy, if you if you will, they're fine. Uh, they help the running time because otherwise this movie would be seven minutes long. The next thing, number seven, is the villain character, which is almost always uh, a boss who's all about the bottom line or some form of an evil woman. And in this case, we get a delightful evil woman. Uh, the character of Ashley, who is like the only person who is credited in this movie so far on IMDb. Uh, her name is, oh no, I'm wrong. She was, I saw her before. Jennifer Machete, I think is her name. She is an Italian actress. Um, it seems like she's nine feet tall. Uh, I, I Googled it and it seemed, uh, according to the internet, she's 5'8". But in this movie, she must be wearing um, stilts because she towers over everybody. And I'm sure that's deliberate. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's like a really great anything. But this movie does something fascinating with this character. So she's a childhood friend slash ex-girlfriend of Penn. Um, really into him, which is weird because there's nothing of him to be into. And his parents seem to really like her, even though she's terrible. And I'm not just like, oh, she's terrible for a Cozy Guardian movie. Like, she's the businesswoman. And they're having, like, the big fancy business dinner. And she's just chugging red wine, like, as if she's at a like a keg party in college and nobody seems to think that's weird so you know that thing happens more importantly the movie needs it's clear that um everybody in the movie thinks she's bad and evil because she is the way this movie does that is very strange so we've already seen that she's mean right that's fine at one point um let me introduce Denise Richards' character, which is very confusing. She's a Contessa. She's just there occasionally. And you're trying to decide, is she going to be a villain or is she going to be helpful? What? Who is she? And the movie never really tells you. But she's, anyway. Um, at one point, like, she's talking to the bellhop who's been, or the doorman, who's been a constant character in, in this movie. And um, they're kind of talking about her, which seems weird that this doorman would do this. But he's all, to Denise Richards, he's like, oh, yeah, she's terrible. And Denise Richards is like, oh, why? He's like, well, and bitch spills the tea like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he says, you know, she doesn't tip well, which, okay, is a terrible thing to do. Um, but also something that, like, is weird to say to another guest. But who cares, right? Putting that aside. And then he says, and the cleaning staff says she's disgusting. Okay. But he goes into more detail and says, they say her bed sheets are, are just disgusting guys i don't understand what that means is she shitting in bed is she like i don't know like just menstruating in bed like what is going on in there is she every night like having a baby and sacrificing it to satan on that bed sheet like what specifically they make it sound like oh every night they clean up her sheets and every night there is a new bodily function that you didn't know could be expelled into a bedsheet on a hotel. I don't know. And you think, like, that's it? But no, 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 no. Aside from her trying to then poison uh, the man I guess she loves? I don't know. It's confusing. Uh, at one point, it seems somebody is spiking the red wine that she's chugging with laxative, I guess. Because suddenly, at a very inopportune time for her, she has a stomach problem and has to, like, run away. We don't see her the rest of the movie. And then, guys... My Christmas fiancé does something I have never seen in a Cozy Cardigan Christmas movie. It has a motherfucking Marvel post-credit sequence. I watched the credits for this movie because I was trying to confirm that it was filmed in Italy and trying to see, like, if there was any um, anything else I needed to know. Because, again, IMDb had nothing. And the, the credits finish, and suddenly there's another scene. I'm like, wait, what, what's, what's going on? And the final shot of this movie... 
are just these two Italian women. Uh, they are not they are not subtitled, but you understand Mamma Mia because uh, they actually say that. Um, they they are walking presumably in the hotel, although it doesn't really look like the hotel, but we'll just go with it. And they're both just saying something in Italian and looking at each other and just like waving their hands over their nose and and just clearly being like, "Ooh, it stinks. Oh, it's gross." And then you hear Ashley in the room screaming like, "Help me, please!" What? What's co- what? So she's just been like shitting in her bedroom for the for the for the last like five days or something. I don't know. Um, boys, are her bed sheets going to be gross now? You know what I mean? So number seven like makes up for anything we don't have. Although we kind of have everything so far. Number eight is slapstick, which these movies have to work in because they're not really going for word humor. I guess uh, there's a couple of hijinks in the kitchen, like a couple of like somebody throws flour at the wrong person and they duck that type of thing. It's nothing special. Number nine is the sage old person. Usually in these movies, that is a parent or a future in-law. Uh, somebody, you know, of stature and age who has good advice to give at some point. And in this, we actually get a few, and again, confusing. So there is um, Maya's dad, who we get only in like FaceTime phone calls, because obviously he's, he's across the world in South Carolina. And like they introduce the relationship as, yeah, my dad, um, he owns all these barbecue restaurants. He's really famous in, in his area. Uh, we're famous for our barbecue sauce. It's a secret recipe. He, he won't even give it to me. He told me he would give it to me on his deathbed, which is like morbid. And one character wisely says, like, well, what if he just dies? Like, what if he gets hit by a bus? What happens then? And she doesn't answer that. So I don't know if this is in a will or not, but uh, people, don't don't wait till your deathbed. You just don't know how sound of mind you are then. So there's that. And then the first scene we see of her talking to her dad on the phone he seems really tired and like it's very like she's about to talk to him and she's like oh no dad it's okay just go to bed I'll talk to you tomorrow and you're like oh my god the dad's gonna die like she's gonna lose two parents in this movie that's that's crazy he doesn't he's fine he later gives advice and gives her the secret sauce although they don't tell us the secret sauce which I respect that's fine so there's that um is Denise Richards the same old person in this movie I don't know she is presented as somebody who is wealthy who comes to this hotel who seems to be in support of the hotel so like you think she's gonna sort of be fairy godmother-esque at a certain point like oh she's gonna buy the hotel she doesn't she's just there to occasionally be like good job maya that's something at one point this this is the weirdest part and again how you know this movie was just padding for time she randomly says to maya like oh i've been to south carolina once i went to a really good barbecue restaurant and the head chef there was really handsome, but he was a single dad, and I could tell that his daughter meant the world to him. Okay, goodbye. And, like, she leaves. And you're like, so is is she, are they going to hook up? Or, like, is this going to be a thing? And no, it's just not. It's, it's just, again, for one of the clearly lesser of these movies, it leaves so many things dangling that I'm kind of fascinated by it. And there's one more sage old person-ish uh, proxy in the very beginning. There's Baker that she buys Bambolini from, and he has gray hair. And you're kind of thinking, like, ooh, is he going to be Santa Claus? He's not. He just at some point gives her some good advice when she needs to hear it. Or he gives the advice to Penn, I think. I don't know. It didn't leave the biggest imprint, but, like, he's there. He says something important. And sadly, number 10 
often our sage old person leads directly into Santa Claus because the sage old person turns out to be Santa Claus. I was really hoping this baker was going to actually be him. He's not. It's disappointing, but we'll move on. So nine out of 10 covered completely. Santa Claus is, you know, it's a wish list item. You can't always get it. But in the bonus round, we go over some of the other kind of details of these movies that they often have. Uh, So the first one is public domain holiday songs. I have to say, like, I don't even think I can do this anymore because there's never a question. Every single one of these movies is going to have a variation of Jingle Bells, Deck the Halls, and Silent Night because they are public domain. And so therefore they are in every movie. None of these movies is going to have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty the Snowman or Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. They're real songs that are owned by somebody. Nobody in these movies is going to pay for those rights. So they're all here. Not even a surprise. Um, and I'm going to try to add as like a to that bonus section this year is to be more specific about it. Deck the Halls is used. Of course it's used. It's in every one of these movies. Is it used during a decorating montage? Yes, it is. Check. Jingle Bells is always used. Is it used during a more action-y sequence? Yes, it is. Check. Silent Night, is it used during something sad? Yes, a sad call to her dad. Uh, We don't get it in this one, but one of my favorite variations on the Christmas songs in these movies is the sexy version. When, like, it's it's sort of R&B and it feels like it's in the wrong movie, if you know what I mean? We don't get it here, so don't get excited. Uh, and then the last part of that is the unrelated public domain song. Often classical music that you know nobody has to pay for that shows up here. Uh, in this case, we do get um, Paco Bell's Canon. I think it's Pachelbel's canon. It's it, classical music you have heard in a million things. Uh, and then we get, we get a special bonus. Um, the song that plays over the end credits... I am guessing the title is Christmas Time is Here Again, because that's the lyric that gets repeated about 80 times. Uh, this is a fun one, and I will try to seek it out, because it, the lyrics that it just keeps repeating are, it just starts naming, this is, a lot of these Christmas songs do that, they just start naming things about Christmas. Um, in this case, it's icicles and sled races, that it just goes over and over and over again. Uh, next part of the bonus round, Magical Family Recipe, which is coming up more and more because Um, And I'm guilty of this. If you watch these movies, you tend to also watch the Food Network. So they always have that, like, secret recipe. This one has several, including, uh, yes, the famous sauce, but also the almond and lemon pie, which, let's let's not forget, almost kills somebody in this movie. Uh, Okay, new part of the bonus round I'm adding in there is a small business in danger. In this case, yes. I don't... I mean, it's like this giant hotel that's very exclusive and very fancy. I have a hard time having pity for it, but the movie treats it as if it was like, you know, Jim's local diner that just can't catch a break with rising rent. So we'll, we'll go with yes on that one. Uh, a couple of things this one does not have. I did not catch any product placement. I did not catch any cloying child. No children at all in this movie. No ice skating. Uh, no Christmas named characters or, uh, you know, important storylines involving Christmas trees. Uh, w- one of my favorite ones is to spot the actors who don't know how to um, act with an empty cup of coffee as if it were full. Weirdly enough, we don't get that in this movie, but we do get um, character not understanding that he needs to pretend a box is heavy when carrying a box from room to room. So there's that. Along with that, another new one I'm adding is um, spotting when an actor is trying really hard to not eat food on camera. Now, this is a food movie. This is very, very food heavy. So there are scenes that 100% like have to show a character putting pork in their mouth and like uncomfortably so. There's a lot of close-ups on this. So if anything, there's more of that than you want to see. 
but there is also quite a few scenes where a character hands a like giant croissant to somebody and the person's like very happy to take it but we do not see them eat it uh next is uh canadianisms uh none here because again filmed in italy uh reuse sets is another one i'm going to look for and in this case you do you can tell at one point Penn is in a hospital, which is the saddest little white room of a hospital I've, I you ever did see. Uh, it is also very clearly the same room that they have just been filming everything else in. And the last thing we look for in our bonus round is what I like to call the warm weather watch. These movies are always set around the holidays. I don't think any one of them has ever been filmed during the holiday season. This is no exception. I, now, I have not been to Italy, uh, so I could be wrong. I don't think on December 24th, you could comfortably exit a hospital in only a hospital gown and a blazer and like run through the streets of Italy seemingly really comfortable. But we do get a shot of that in this movie. Um, nary a, uh, a scarf or a, uh, you know, cold air breath to be found. So that is my Christmas fiance. No, it's not my Christmas fiance. It is, my, it is a Christmas fiance. I was going to say it's a, Christ, a fiance for Christmas. I give up. Now, damn it, now you know what this means. This means I have to do a fiancé for Christmas, and I don't even know anything about that movie, but now it's got to go on the list. Damn it. It never ends. It just never ends. Last thing we do here as a kind of final way of, of signing off is me deciding if I recommend the movie. Do I recommend this movie? Who do I recommend it to? Look, you probably know at this point whether any of, of these movies are for you. There are the people who genuinely want to watch the good ones, and there are some good ones. Not this one, but there, there are good ones out there. Uh, and there are people who take some joy in the ones that are, like, kind of bizarre and weird. Uh, this one sort of goes on that path. It is not painful. Um, it is not aggressively offensive in the way that some of these movies really can be. The romance makes no sense whatsoever. The two leads have zero chemistry at all. Uh, the lead actress is cute. She's likable. Um, she is pleasant to watch. She's great hair, uh, which, you know, uh, the movie does make sure she wears a ponytail when she's cooking, but like as soon as she's like not cooking, she just takes it out and it looks great. So if you're looking for that, this is a good movie for that. Um, it's weird enough that if you are a completist for finding the ones that seem wrong, this one seems kind of wrong. There is attempted murder. There is farting. Uh, there are poop jokes and a, you know, end credits, post credits sequence. These are things you don't find in these movies. And for that, I feel like it might be a little bit worth somebody's time. Many of, for many of you, not your time, but some of you, you might be curious enough to get something out of it. By far and away, not the worst one I've seen. An interesting way to start the season. And with that, I will sign off. And when we next meet, you will have me and one of our very special guest stars who will be joining us this season. So raise your glass of laxative-laced red wine. Uh, and cheers to yet another year of stocking stuffers. Christmas, there is just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want it for my own, more than you 